This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. Over the years, I've come to see my career as always striving to be at the intersection of passion and purpose. My work needs to satisfy, needs to make me happy, and it needs to satisfy a need in the world. When you are working at the intersection of passion and purpose, work is play, and play is work. So work is not something that sucks away your energy. In fact, work gives you energy. To me, the process of growing up and becoming an adult is not just our bodies changing and our growing. It's a process of understanding who am I as a person, what do I need and want in this world, and understanding how to create healthy personal boundaries. Hello and welcome. I'm Manling in Beijing. My guest today is Joy Chen. Born in the United States to immigrant parents, Joy began her career as a commercial real estate developer. At the age of 31, she had the good luck to be appointed deputy mayor of Los Angeles. After finishing her term of office, she went back to the private sector as a CEO hunter to help global companies searching for top talents. Meanwhile, at the same time, Joy launched a job hunting service blog to help Chinese college students studying abroad to land on jobs in global companies. Through the blog, Joy herself was headhunted by a major Chinese publisher that invited her to write a book about life strategy for Chinese women. The resulting book, Do Not Marry Before Age 30, became a bestseller across China then and has remained an inspiring book for women who are still seeking a balance between life and career. Having achieved more than most wouldn't dare dream about, Joy has her own definition of the word success. And that's where our conversation began. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners first? Uh, my name is Joy Chen. In China, they know me as Joy Chen Yu. I am a global career woman. I am a wife and I am a mom. Global career woman. Yeah. Wife and mom, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you consider yourself successful in these three roles? Well, you know, I've had my successes, I've had my failures, I've had my ups, and I've had my downs. But overall, I think the trajectory has been on a path of growth. And it's uh, always growth, Professionally, right? personally, spiritually. And uh, how do you define success? Um, in different ways, I think that when it comes to our careers, over the years, I've come to see my career as always striving to be at the intersection of passion and purpose. So passion means this is a job or through this work, I am able to satisfy my personal needs. I think it's fun. And what are your personal needs? My needs are for fun and for interesting new challenges. So to me, that makes up passion. The other component of success 
to me is purpose. That means through this job, through this work, I'm satisfying the needs of the world. So, so that's a- what gives meaning to my work. So what I've always strived to do is to work at the intersection of passion and purpose. My work needs to satisfy, needs to make me happy, and it needs to satisfy a need in the world. And what sort of specific things that make you happy? I think these are the things. First of all, work makes me happy. So when you ask what is success, to me success equals happiness in my work, which is that when I am working at the intersection of passion and purpose, I'm happy and I'm successful. But there is a saying that all work, no play, makes a Tom a dull boy. Are you a dull lady? Because, you know, it seems to me that all work, no play. And work is your happiness. There's no such an equation, right? Work is your happiness? Well, um, I actually think that... What can you get from your work? When you are working at the intersection of passion and purpose, work is play. And play is work. So work is not something that sucks away your energy. In fact, work gives you energy. I like to go on vacation with my family because it's just specific alone time with my family. But I don't feel like... I need to get away on vacation to rest from work because work is a vacation for me. Work is already a vacation for you. Work is playing. Uh, yeah. What is your interest? What is my interest? Yeah. I always because love Because you have already equated interest and work with your happiness. But yeah. I want to know that what sort of things will get you on your feet? I guess for me, since I was young, I was always interested in what's fresh and new. I'm fascinated by new ideas, new people, where the world is outside of the four walls of my house, and where's the world going. So I love technology. I love traveling. I love meeting new ideas and experiencing new fresh experiences and fresh ideas. So who planted this seed of curiosity in you? I think that it was always there. I think it was inside of me when I was born. But when I was born in America, in a very, very traditional Chinese household, my parents were always very fearful that I would be led astray by what they regarded as a very immoral American culture. They didn't allow us to have TV at home. We weren't allowed to go to the movies or to spend much time at my friends' houses. So I think that part of this does go back to being small and feeling like I was always confined to our house and, you know, feeling like my nose was pressed up against the window pane, looking out into the world and wondering what was on the other side. So I guess it started when I was small and that curiosity never left me. So it's like uh, if you were thrown into the open world, you may not have this curiosity that driven you, you know, that far. But you are partially confined, my understanding of you, mm-hmm. right? Partially confined, but at the same time, because you're doing the schooling in the mm-hmm. outer world. So there are windows open and leads you to some light. And then you mm-hmm. went out. Yeah. And the curiosity started to build up inside of you. Sort of very convincing here. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that you wrote uh, books now, right? You have written several books. I've written what are they? My first book came out in 2012, and it's called Do Not Marry Before Age 30. That was actually my first entree to China. A big Chinese publisher called Citic Press contacted me in the United States and said, the biggest social topic in China right now is the problem of leftover women, or shengnu, as we say in Chinese. And I have to interrupt you. Do you agree with this term, leftover women? Well, no, it's, of course, misogynistic on its face. So Citic Press enlightened people there 
recognized that, and they said we need in the Chinese marketplace a book to encourage these so-called leftover women. We've spent a year looking all around China and found that there is the author isn't here, and we would like for you to write this book. So that was at the time I didn't even had never heard of Citic Press, which is a very powerful and important company in China. Why were you considered the、uh, qualified person for that book? Because you are not that, one of us, right? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm a Huaren or a Chinese person in a global sense, but I'm Chinese American. I had actually those doubts when they first contacted me. I said, "Who are these crazy people at Citic Press? Are they crazy?" I mean, I was—I'm a Chinese American. I'd lived in the United States my whole life. How could I possibly understand the lives of women in China so that I could write a book that's useful to them? Um, the reason why they, they had approached me is that at the time I was working as a global CEO headhunter.、Mm-hmm. I was finding CEOs for global companies at a time when China was sending more and more college and graduate students to study in the United States. And those students, I found by and large, were hoping in the U.S. not only to study but to gain internships and other entry-level jobs. In the same global companies that I was working at the top as a CEO headhunter, and yet they faced many cultural barriers, difficulties that I had faced at the beginning of my career. So you can be a model for these students who ventured to go outside, like、um, you know you did earlier in your life, and then overlap with the rest of the world. Yes, and so I started a blog, a careers blog for them,、mm-hmm. which they started passing in Chinese and English. They translated it for me, a few graduate students, and they put my blog all over the world in 留学生 or study abroad students. Trans- yeah, did your book receive well among Chinese readers? In English,、oh, yes. the book is in English or in Chinese? Do not marry before age thirty is the English name. 三十岁前别结婚 is the Chinese name. So you have both, right? In、so、translated into English. So that book,、Chinese. right? My original manuscript was in English. I work with a translator in China. It's available in print in Chinese as a Kindle ebook in、ah. English, and in the United States and other geographies, it's available on the Amazon Kindle store. I have it. It's only on Amazon. Yeah. It must be very inspirational. I mean, to Chinese readers, but I. I wonder, you know, are there any American readers, you know, non-Chinese、yeah. origins, reading your book?、Um, the book was a huge hit in China in 2012. It was a huge shock that people was like, "Oh my God!" You know, people would just see that title and pick it up, and it became kind of a meme in China. Do not marry before age 30. I think that for global audiences in America, I mean, I have not done any promotion in America. My friends who've read it. You know they love it, but that maybe because they're just being polite to me.、Um, where it has gotten more of a hit is in some other countries of the world. I have received notes from fans in Bolivia, India, Korea, and elsewhere who've been very, very、um, much empowered, I guess, by that book. And so I think in in many developing countries. Where there still really is a feeling that the woman's role belongs rightfully in the home, and that we should get married as quickly as possible and focus on our maternal duties as our main mission in life. I mean, those kinds of societies, the book has has rang true. I think that in America, having gone through the women's movement in the '60s and '70s, I guess these ideas have seemed. Not as fresh and bold, yeah, yeah.、Um, but it's mostly developing nations whose、mm. um, gender equality is not as 
you know, good as uh, the Western societies. But mm. do you think if you publish this book today, mm. it's going to receive the same sort of um, popularity? In China? Mm-hmm. I think that, well, first of all, from what I hear, the book made a shift in many people's thinking so that now it seems more acceptable, whereas before the book came out, it seemed unacceptable. I had many fans say, some of these are ideas that I have been rolling around in my head, but your book gave me permission to speak them out loud. My purpose in writing that book was to start a national conversation among women across China about how to make choices in our lives. And I think that now, seven years later, much of those conversations have happened many more still remain to happen. But new conversations have already started to come out. Are you aware of them? Absolutely. And I think that's very exciting. Because there are comments I've been reading, feedbacks to your book, Mm -hmm. comments on your book, and a few. Most of us still, you know, being amazed or these new ideas to them. And some of them say, oh, Joy is being a little bit sort of, uh, you know, out of date now because Mm. we are no longer worried about our marriage. Mm. And our parents already started to be aware that they should not be pushing that hard. Mm. But as compared to six years ago, that was totally a different picture. You know, every spring festival reunion, you know, family dinner gathering and the two generations are going to, you know, just torture each other. But now it has been relaxed and more and more older generation, they think, oh, no matter what we do, these girls are not going to listen to us. Mm. So are you aware of this change? But if you publish this book today, it may not be receiving the effect that it received, you know, six years ago. The timing of that book, your publication was so good. Do you agree? Totally. I mean, I think that Cidic Press, those people who I thought I once thought were crazy, turned out to be very much correct. Um, it was at a height when the market just needed a sound like that. Um, now, absolutely, I think that times have changed um, somewhat. I think that many young women still say that they still get a huge amount of marriage pressure when they go back over Spring Festival. But some families, especially I think in urban areas, have moved toward a more relaxed attitude toward that. And so I think that for me, you know, I don't, it's not a book that I personally pick up a lot now, but many fans are still now discovering it. But, you know, I've since moved on. I've been writing more books, creating more social media. But for me, I guess that was really my entry point in coming into China. Before that, it was all working with Chinese students abroad through my Global Rinsai, you know, blog, dealing just with the Chinese study abroad students. But that book in 2012 was what really brought me into China. And uh, the title of that book, Don't Marry Before 30, Mm -hmm. do you think it's a little bit too extreme? No. No? Are you willing to give a piece of advice to every woman? Because there are so-called lucky women, or there are wiser women, they mature very early. Mm-hmm. And then at the age of like 26 or something, or 25, they knew already what they wanted, and they yeah. got married, and then they had a crash on someone. Do you still say, hey, don't marry before you're 30? Well, that's my advice to everyone. But as I wrote in the book, my purpose in writing the book is not to tell you what to do with your life. Because what I want you to do is to make your own decisions and make your own choices. My purpose in writing the book is to start a conversation so that you're making conscious decisions. There is some basis for saying that, by and large, most people should not rush into marriage. 
you know, there's, of course, all kinds of statistics that people who get married before 30 have a much, much higher rate of divorce than people who don't. There's also biologists, neurologists who tell us that uh, while our bodies kind of develop and become adults when we're 18, the long range, the portion, part of our brain is still developing between the ages of 27 and 30. And the part of the brain that does that is the part that's responsible for long range planning. So that, yes, there are people who are successful and get married at age 22 or 25 or 26 and stay happily married for 50 or 60 years. There's a universal question concerning mm -hmm. every woman, every one of us, mm -hmm. that is our physical body matures earlier than our brain. Sure. By the time we think our brain is mature enough and it's quite late for us to have healthy babies, how do you solve this problem? Well, on this particular question, I think it's very, very important to understand the biology of our bodies and not make important life decisions based on social rumors. So when my book first came out, people in China were saying the golden age for women to have babies is 20 to 25. After 25, there's risk of infertility, all kinds of biological problems for the baby and for the mother. So in the book, I actually took the time to research biological studies on female fertility and put the actual data into there because I think that it's important for us to base our decisions on science and not rumors, especially when it comes to our bodies. And so what the science says is that women's fertility really doesn't change until age 35. At that point, it starts to decline. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think about 3 to 5% a year until about 38, at which point it starts to decline more sharply. And then at 40, it seriously declines. And so first of all, yes, we have to balance our biology versus you know other reasons for the marriage decision. But my first point is, let's base it on facts and mm -hmm. science. Secondly, and I think that when we decide the time that we have our babies, we shouldn't base it completely on biology. Because I know when I was in my 20s, I didn't have the wisdom, the ability to love, because love is an ability to be nurtured, the patience or the money to really be the kind of mother that I can be. There now. are numerous women out there who thought or who thinks that they are ready, but the biological clock has already closed. Mm -hmm. How do you solve this problem? Because I think many of them still want to be a mother yeah. and still want to have a family. Number yeah. one that we have already entered 21st century is a technological yeah. era. Number one question is, is marriage still a must for a woman or a man when we talk about this marriage? Number two, how do you solve problems of uh, career women who has been waiting and until they reach the time of maturity, like you said, mm -hmm. and they're ready to have a baby, but the biological clock are already you know, switched off. Mm -hmm. And there are like uh, egg banks. Yeah, sure. Are they the solutions? Well, I think on the first, to your first question on must we all marry, the answer is completely not. I think one of the central tenets of my book is that not everyone has to marry, but if you marry, be very careful. Do not marry before 30. No. If you marry, the most important thing, you have to understand that if you marry, who you marry will be the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. Having been a global CEO headhunter for seven years and interviewed 4,000 of the world's most successful people, I can say that you know many people stress out about every single decision they make in their career, every career transition, but they kind of just randomly marry. I have many fans who have told me that they never even loved the husband they married. 
But, you know, they just got to be a time, 25, 27, 30, when society was giving them so much pressure, they just married the next person who... Do you allow marriages to fail? Of course. In fact, so random marriages are lessons for people, you know, women to learn to be... Random messages? Random marriages. If you allow marriages to fail, because life is not a gamble or bet... So sure. this is the right, Mr. Right is always the Mr. Right. Things can go sour. Sure. And are people allowed to marry rather randomly? No, well, sure. I mean, you can do anything you want. I'm not here to tell you not to marry randomly, but I think that's a really dumb way to plan your life to say, I'm just going to randomly marry for the sake of randomly marrying. Marriage is not just a status change from I'm a single lady to I'm a married lady. Marriage should be the foundation of a lifelong partnership, or that's what you are committing to. So marrying Mr. Wrong is the only decision that you can make that could completely wreck your entire life and cause a lot of damage to any future children you may have. So yes, of course, you can always divorce. And in fact, there are a group of women who've told me that they've read my book and divorced, that my book gave them the courage to divorce and leave abusive men or bad marriages. You feel good about it or you feel you're happy about that. For to help a woman leave an abusive marriage, that's an incredible power. uh, Not power, it's just an incredible gift and opportunity that I was given through that book. But she's the one who made that courageous choice. But to be able to give her a little boost of courage to leave an abusive relationship, that's incredible. But there's always rationality between every decision that people are making. You know, people, women, marry Mr. Ron, mm-hmm. must have a reason. What sure. in your eyes that are making these ladies make such lousy or wrong decisions? What are the reasons behind? Well, I have been in plenty of... Mr. Wrong relationships in my Yourself. life. I just thank goodness that I didn't get married to any of them. I Can mean, I personally started dating at age 18. I got married at age 38. So my dating experience is pretty plentiful. I've made a lot of mistakes, had a lot of heartbreak. So why do women get into bad relationships? Oh my gosh. It's the Making cost, mistakes. right? <laughs> yeah, we all make mistakes. So that's all good. That's all fine. And that's, we can chalk it all up to experience. My only point is, if you're going to get married, be a little careful. There's but no need to rush into that decision. I know. From 18, you started dating, yeah, right? Sure. And until 38, you got mm-hmm. married. But you can afford this long process of waiting because your parents live uh, in the United States. I guess they didn't give us you as much pressure as, you know, ladies here being receiving from their families. They gave me a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. Where did you get the strength to say no to your parents? You know, I think that to me, the process of growing up and becoming an adult is not just our bodies changing and our growing breasts and hips and whatever. The process of growing up internally is a process of understanding who am I as a person? What do I need and want in this world? And understanding how to create healthy personal boundaries. I'm going to tell you a a very powerful story about this. In fact, you know, being a mother teaches me a lot. And how to create personal boundaries in a way that I think we all need was taught to me by my older daughter when she was five. She came home from school one day and she said, uh, we sent her to a school that really focuses on emotional and social development. And she said, mommy, uh, we had a new teacher today to teach us about mindfulness. 
And I said, mindfulness. mindfulness. I said, mindfulness, isn't that kind of like what um, those young women learn who, like, you know, who do yoga and they're vegetarians and, you know, meditate? Mm-hmm. What does a five-year-old need to learn about mindfulness? I said, what did the teacher teach you to do? She said, well, she told us to crouch down like we're frogs on our lily pad and just sit there. And if somebody is mean to us, to, we're to raise our hands over our heads and pull them down in a big circle like we're creating a bubble around us. And this bubble is so strong that other people's words and actions can't get in. They just bounce off. And so I can sit there safely in my bubble, breathe deep, smile, look at that person who's being mean to me, enjoy my time inside the bubble. And when I'm ready to break the bubble, then I just raise my hands again and I jump out and I go back to the world. Yes. My goodness. And I thought, wow, that is amazing. All my life, you know, I ran from the East Coast to the West Coast to get away from all that marriage pressure from my parents. If when I was small, her age, and if you now, had the bubble, <laughs> I knew how to make a frog bubble around us. And if women in China, all women in China, from the time they were small, knew how to create a frog bubble, then they would be immune to unhealthy outside pressure, unabusive relationships, all bad things. And they would be strong and courageous and happy and be able to live their lives no matter their circumstances. So the first book is about don't marry before 30. Do not marry before age 30. And the central message is really just that. It's not just about saying do not marry before age 30, 30 million times. It's it's not the literal meaning, right? The book is really about the first part is how to become misright. How to do these sorts of things. So you empower yourself first before you can... Yeah, how to become a happy and confident woman who loves herself. That's really this core theme about that book. So do you think the bubble thing, you regretted that you didn't have the bubble thing, right? Before, until you met your five-year-old daughter (laughs) that day. Well, I think that if I had met my five-year-old daughter when I was age 22 or 27 years old. You would marry early. No, I wouldn't have thought about, I wouldn't have understood how profound that message is. So I think that, do I regret No, I think that things happen in all in their own time. There's no need to look back upon our lives with regret. And there's no need to look forward to the future with worry. We can just focus on the now and take the next best step. Yes, I agree that there's no need to look back upon our lives with regret. In her book, as well as in our conversation, Joy has been emphasizing that a woman needs to empower herself first before she can know how to become a happy and confident woman. In this episode, Joy Chen has shared her view of what success is. And in the next, she will tell us more about her life and work, and particularly about how lucky she is and how we all can become as lucky as her. Since in our lives, we'd all come across some lucky breaks. I'm Man Ling. Thank you for tuning in to our program. And if you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, chinaplus.cri.cn and Apple Podcasts. (music) 